0: Everyone has their own opinions towards how money should be used. And the thing is, it's not about money. It's actually about the purpose and what money does for us. Sometimes we can view things differently and that's okay. We're gonna talk through examples that we experience and steps that you can take to work with your spouse, not against them. So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you who live demanding lives who never seem to have enough time Able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast.
1: Hey, Smarter Vets, this is CJ Burnett and Tom Seco. We're financial advisors, owners of Florida Veterinary Advisors, and the host of this
0: podcast, the Smarter Vet Podcast. Our mission is to provide education to veterinarians so they can get clarity, take control, feel confident, and experience contentment in their finances. For those of you who are with us for the first time, we have a lot of great resources if you haven't checked them out on our website, a lot of CEs, assessments, videos, articles, and we actually released a new video series, The Five Steps to Financial Freedom, that you should really go check out. Go to our website, you'll also find the link below in the description.
1: All right, so today we're going to talk about how to budget with a reluctant spouse, right? Because some Mm. some people out there have probably had some conflict with their marriage within their marriage with their spouse when it comes to where's money gets spent. Maybe not. Maybe you're perfect, which you could
0: probably just go to the next episode on the podcast. I don't have any conflict with my spouse, CJ. No, none. Like, yeah.
1: Well, that's because you're perfect,
0: Tom. Yeah, I'm totally perfect. That's all it is.
1: (laughs) So, like, so you know, when we think about marriage, it's funny because it, you know, on that day, two became one. And I think when it comes to where we're going to live, when it comes to where we're going to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the holidays and what we're going to do logistically, uh, how many kids we're going to have, we talk about all those things, especially before marriage. But very few, what we've found, have have gotten to that
0: place where they can talk about financial things on a very deep level. Financial stuff can actually be very difficult to talk about. And one of the questions, of course, that uh, you should ask yourself right now is when When did you first have a conversation with your spouse of finances, about finances or have you never had a conversation with your spouse about finances? And I mean, it just kind of felt like it's been implied and you just kind of do what you do. Uh, and yeah, maybe, maybe it's been surface level. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've, I will say that was one thing for a while when it came to just the things that I do in my life when, hey... I really didn't talk super deep around it and starting to do things. And then later on it comes back and kind of, (laughs) it bites you. It's not a good thing. So do you also talk to your spouse about finances often? Is that something that you're doing? Because, you know, without constant communication, being on the same page, Hey, that can cause a lot of conflict. I mean, or, or maybe the only
1: time you talk about finances is when there is conflict. Yeah, right, which I mean, if that's <laughs> the case, then then financial stuff in general is going to be a topic that you and your spouse are going to try to avoid in order to keep peace in the house. Now, I know that when it comes to uh, how we spend money, right? That that's that's the one of the main areas of conflict, especially within finances, is how is where exactly we're going to direct the dollars that we make and. I know I've come home before. I see a dress on the bed. I'm like, I've never seen that dress before. And the first thing that enters my mind is how much did that cost, right? Well, I mean, Was was it at least a nice dress? It, it was very, yeah. I mean, my, my wife has really good taste. So I was like, that's that's a pretty baller dress. And well, it's was, good at least, right? <laughs> yeah, but me being a finance guy, I immediately think, well, what kind of baller price did that come with? I mean, it, 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 it kind of, you know, and then I remember when uh, I actually bought a, a Mac one time few years ago and i think i had it for like a whole year and like one day my wife realized that i actually had a mac and i was like i've been using it
0: for a whole year she's seen me right but we never talked about it and so she just never knew that i that i bought it i feel like that would be the same thing would happen with with my wife as well and I, i've always felt myself to be she always buys a lot of the little things but then i tend to buy a lot of the big things <laughs> so she'll buy all yeah. this stuff that kind of adds up and then all of a sudden i'm like getting a new car or doing different stuff. And it's like, oh, what, what did you just do? Uh, i never heard at the end of it the last time I got my other car without really talking about it. So yeah, that's not a good example, but. Well, uh, and, and I mean, it, like we all know about Amazon, like, mm-hmm. right,
1: like the new packages showing up on the door every day. I mean, I see nine pack, I see <laughs> nine packages on the door and like, really? And then, you know, I want to go and complain to my wife. And then I
0: realize that it was actually me who ordered it all. Well, what's funny is like, if it's under your name in the account too, it probably looks like they're all to you <laughs> as well. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you don't know. Start so Opening boxes.
1: You're like, why did she buy? Oh, that's mine. <laughs> why did she buy? Oh, that's mine too. That's okay, exactly well, it. Right. Not mad anymore. Cause apparently I'm the one with the addiction. Right. So, and, and you probably heard a lot of the statistics that are out there about how divorces are caused by financial conflict mm-hmm. and, and financial matters. And that may be true. However, there is data that's coming out now that show that divorces that had financial conflict wasn't because of money in particular. Rather, it was because between the two people, there was competition between those two different sets of goals and those two different sets of values that we may
0: have. That's an interesting thought you bring up there because you know, goals and values be you know, one of us might want to go to school, the other person might not really care about education and they want to travel or something like that. Or know they're more about the material things and the other person's more about experiences so that i mean that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah i think the bible says where where your heart is there your treasure is also right Mm -hmm. so you know what you're gravitated towards with your with your heart with your mind with the things that you want it kind of makes sense that that's then also where your uh, money's going to go and i remember a guy who was a financial advisor many years ago said you know, if, if you open up your checkbook, this is back, you know, he was kind of older, clearly. And he's like, you know, you open up your checkbook and I want you to look at all the places you spend money. That's going to tell me where, what, what you find value in, right? Do you take, you know, if you go to the cleaners, that's going to tell me that you care about, you know, the things that you wear, right? And those
0: kinds of things. Maybe, maybe you just want to smell good all the time too. Like, I mean, that's cool. Or <laughs> just like the
1: feel of formaldehyde on my skin. I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's not, um,
0: mm-hmm. that's, that's no
1: bueno. Um, so in other words, money isn't always the problem. Finances aren't actually the problem. The argument is, could be over what each
0: person finds to be important. So th- there's some reasons that we've found that people like the importance of money of why people find it important. And the, the some of the things that we were thinking of over the course of time is just, there's the security against like the unknown. And this is actually an area of my life where I've always been very frightened about not having money. So then sometimes I usually tend to keep a lot of it and not wanting to spend it, which could cause a lot of conflict in a relationship where one person is more frugal than the other and they're not willing. I remember having my wife telling me all the time saying, hey, (laughs) you don't want to buy anything. You don't want to do anything. And it took me a long time myself personally to be willing to come to her a bit more. So I just wasn't keeping to myself.
1: Well, and and
0: I think that's from secure from
1: a security perspective. Mm -hmm. Like some people have that bone in them and some people don't. Right. So clearly, you know, you wouldn't spend money and you would try to like, you know, hoard cash because to you, right. And a lot of people who are listening to this money really translates into security for them. The more cash they have on hand, the 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 better they sleep.
0: Yeah. Right? The better they feel, the more comfortable they are with, with just, you know, going about their day. Well, and the other thing, the freedom to do what, what we want, or being able to have a lifestyle that we experience. So the other flip side of this could be you know, money is burning a hole in our pocket, and we want to spend it all the time. And we want to do that's other me. things, and <laughs> yeah, that's me right there. Yeah, I, you get I, the, I, the 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 I'm... squirrel syndrome or the, the the shiny object syndrome, where you just shiny always... object syndrome that is one hundred <laughs> with computers and with musical instruments
1: and with those kinds of things. Yeah, like and free like and and those people, those people where money it is viewed more as a, a freedom piece, right? Then they're going to feel a little bit more like they can spend money because mm-hmm. that's what that's what money is to them. Money allows them to
0: do things that they want to do, go the places that they want to go. Right. So, And one of the last ones we're thinking is it's a tool to use to make more money. So sometimes people are taking what they have and they put it into more stuff to try to make it grow more. They want more from it. So it could be investing or it could be buying more businesses. It could be doing whoever knows what it is. There's some crazy phases that are going on throughout life these days. And people are always trying to find that next thing to to make more from it. So you, you can imagine if one,
1: if one spouse sees money as primarily something for security and thus is a natural saver, but the other sees it as a, a tool for freedom, right? They, to do what they want, then there can be conflict there because one person is spending and the other person is saving. If one spouse is trying to save as much money and therefore gives up things that they want for the sake of accumulating cash, But then their spouse goes out and spends a lot of that money. Well, Mm -hmm. I I I think most people can see how that would cause a lot of issues. So one, one good thing to do from this is to take a deeper dive into how you view money. Like, what do you think its primary purpose is for? How did your parents use it? How did you view how your parents used it? Has that impacted how you use it and how you view it? Previous experiences, maybe how, how your spouse grew up, right? Exploring those things about yourself, super important, and then being able to have that conversation with your spouse can help, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe even Tom, you you had a time when in within your marriage that you kind of realized this was a good thing to do. Like you looked at yourself, you examined yourself, then you examined how your how your wife viewed things, and
0: you're like, oh okay, there's there's friction here because of how we were raised, because of yep. our backgrounds,
1: because of our experience.
0: Well, I think part of it too is that frugality aspect of it. I've always been, I don't even know where I really got that growing up either. It was just something, I think it's, I didn't have a lot of the stuff that I wanted. And then eventually when I started realizing that I could get more of it by doing the stuff that I was doing, it to changed my complete behavior around it. And it just stuck with me for a while. Like I never wanted to be that person to not be in a position where I was unable to be like that security aspect of it. I think that was a big, big part of my life. And my wife, well, she- she loves to explore and do other stuff. So I think when you were younger, too,
1: you had like the, um, like, you wanted to work to earn money, because you knew money was the way to get what you wanted. Absolutely. It's probably so one of the worked ways you yeah. hard. You worked hard, especially I remember you talking about even just in your teenage years, you worked hard, because you always had something that you were looking, for. there was something that was motivating you mm-hmm. to accumulate the cash to get something like a car or, or something else, right. So you know you definitely were trying to be secure it didn't mean security to you but then it also had that other aspect of a once you felt secure then you felt you were in a position to go and and use your money for freedom right for those things that you wanted
0: yeah absolutely if if you're not haven't been st- you know taking some time to really discuss these things or go over like you know what is the purpose or how do you view money over the course of time and everything else it'd be good to sit down with your spouse and explore this together actually have a conversation and it, it might help to be able to schedule a time, actually schedule the time. Maybe when you both are really fresh, maybe not coming home from work, maybe on a weekend, maybe over lunch, who knows what it is, but find a time to talk about it and explore like where, you know, where do you, what do you both value? Maybe are you valuing the same things or you have different opinions or thoughts when it comes to how you view the use of the, the money that you are making and be able to talk about them together to see what you can do to come more of a uh, the, the word what is it compromise in a sense be able to compromise well, or work together yeah. in a way.
1: If you have competing values, then I think first understanding what those values are and how they mm-hmm. compete with each other is the first step to understanding how they can work in conjunction with them. Sometimes your weakest your your weakest attribute can be your largest strength if you just use it in a particular way. Absolutely, I think I think even considering going to a counselor. Like I know that. Uh, I know I, I, my wife and I have gone to a marriage counselor multiple times during our 14 years of marriage. Uh, I think pretty much every year, at least every other year, I would say we do some kind of marriage program or, you know, go to something. It's usually around our
0: anniversary in August. And, and that so, can be really helpful too. When, you know, if you're having a hard time figuring it out on your own, maybe having someone else in there to be able to step in, just give you another viewpoint, and be able to talk both of you through it. Absolutely. And, and if,
1: and if your spouse doesn't want to budget with you, if, if you're listening to this, cause you're like, wow, I have a reluctant spouse and, and I really want to know what can I do? Like what are actionable steps that I can do to get them on the same page with me where they're not, they're not battling against me. Mm-hmm. I think there's really four main things that have popped up that we've seen with clients over the years that, that have, that have created this environment, right? So the, the first thing that we really see that creates this, this, environment of, of, I would say um, just unfundness when it comes to finances, they don't, your spouse may not see the benefits, like how they view money is different than how you view it. And so the benefit to your behavior, to your habits, to how you see money and how you're using money, like they're not, they're not on the same page with understanding how you're, you're there. And so you know, talking with them about that is, is a great way to get over that first, if, if that's the case, like if that's something that you've experienced in your marriage, then that's, that's a pretty good thing to talk through it and walk through everything we just said. Second right. thing is you might have unrealistic expectations of the budget. Uh, for some of you people who are, maybe don't you know, don't
0: you know, even know the budget. <laughs> like, like what well, is your yeah. budget?
1: <laughs> well, and that's like, I remember you, you, like, you can't, you can't give your spouse a budget of a hundred dollars a month on groceries.
0: Right. Especially if you have two kids or something like that and everything else. (laughs) You're
1: you're setting yourself up for failure at that point. Like you're, you're eating nothing but rice and beans and beans and rice. Or ramen. Oh, Ramen noodle. So good. Yeah. I used Um, to eat a lot of that in college. I mean, but it is, I mean, it is really good. It's probably not really good for you. It's definitely not good for you, but it's really good. So like, you know, you can't, if you have a budget, if you, if you've, if you tried budgeting in the past and it hasn't worked, uh, probably it's because there's unrealistic expectations as to how that budget is going to to actually be and how it's going to look. You want to spend $100 a month on groceries, right? And then you want to spend $500 at the golf club. Eh, you know, you got to gotta make sure that you are both in agreement with the budget. And you're not just telling your spouse here, this is the budget. And they mm-hmm. didn't have any say, no input. And you're, you know, setting, themself, setting yourself up for failure in that respect.
0: Yeah, some, something that I've found to be really helpful with myself and I've implemented this a while ago with my wife was setting like a threshold when it when it is a certain purchase or things that I'm looking to buy. Like, hey, if it's something over a certain value, uh, let's say it's over $500, which is actually around the number that my wife and I use. If there's something that's going to cost more than $500, we usually will sit down and talk about it first. And it's not usually saying, hey, can I get approval for it? Because there should never be of this like that there's one ultimate person driving the decisions in this relationship. However, it's more of discussing it and making sure that there aren't other priorities or things that need to be done at the moment. And if everything's good, you're both on the same page, you go do it and you don't regret it later coming back where it's like, Hey, he didn't tell me. Uh, so being able to set a threshold has always been a helpful thing. And maybe there's a number that you might have in mind and everything else besides that you're like, hey, go buy it. Go do what you want. Like, it is what it is. And you just really don't forget about it. Unless, <laughs> let's just throw this in here. If you buy a lot of little things, and then over time it starts adding up the thousands of dollars, then it's like, okay, maybe we need to, <laughs> we need to sit down to talk about this. But, you know, there is a certain part if you're keeping up with your spouse about your budget and talking about things, then you should have no problems from there. Third thing that might be a hurdle it's going to surprise
1: you, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this with love. I'm going to say this with a, a large element of truth. And some of you are going to have to have a real honest look in the mirror, but it might be you. It, and, and what I mean by that, it might be how you react. It might be how you approach them when mm-hmm. it comes to financial things. Like, are you, a, are you approaching them with love? Or, you know, are you approaching them with conflict? If I see nine Amazon boxes at the front door and I react with, Hey, why did you get all, like, what is all this stuff versus Hey, what'd you buy there? You know, two, two different places. Yeah. Like so com- yeah, show, yeah. Show me what you got. Right, There's two different places that you can come from. And if you're, if you're always approaching them with conflict and you're always approaching them from an angry perspective or from a, from a frustration, then mm-hmm. it's never, you're, you're not going to get anywhere. Been there. <laughs> <laughs> the The last thing is it's, it's not you're not making it easy enough for your spouse Mm -hmm. to 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 budget you got to make it easy especially in today's world where there's so many things competing for our attention and there's so many different priorities throughout the day and we're all putting out fires and you got to make figure out how you're going to make budgeting easy for your spouse i know that for a lot of people that i know they've used a ledger there's actually a ledger on our website that you can download It's a cash flow ledger um, and it's usually just a way to make tracking cash flow very, very, very easy for one spouse. So, you know, you, you can each use it, but you know, the way you, the way you use it is, is notated in the document. But uh, I remember giving this to, to my wife at some point, and it's basically per week you have an agreed upon amount that gets spent on groceries, gas, food, et cetera. Right. And, and let's say it's 500 bucks. And at the end of the week, your spouse has spent $400 well then your spouse gets to blow the other 100 so your spouse now has incentive to to you know uh, crack things to watch watch what, the, what they're spending and then on top of it if they're able to keep the cost low then they get to actually spend the difference because the whole point of it was to actually spend that money that you had that you set aside, not to, not to say, okay, the budget's 500 bucks for this week. And I say week, not month. There's a reason, right? Because month is too long. A week is easy. But you, know, you, you got a budget for a week and, and if, they, if they're able to spend less, then, they, then there's, there's a, a reward on the other side of that for them. And it's really helpful for them. Absolutely. So like- real quick
0: to recap some things you can do from this episode. Yeah, you know, there's a lot we've covered and some of the stuff that you can start taking down today is sit down with your spouse and discuss each of your past with money. Take a moment to do that. Uh, discuss what your goals of each of you have for short-term. Uh, be able to create a plan and be able to just agree on it. Uh, make it easy for your spouse to track spending. I, I think CJ's ledger, will make sure we can try to include a, a link in there. I will say if you are a person who's like, hey, we really have the budget thing under control. And you want to take it to that next, like, Hey, we want to see how we can do this a little bit more efficiently of what we're doing. You can always take a listen to our episode, throw your budget away, where we talk about a spending plan. Uh, And the last thing you can do is negotiate for what's important to you and determining of like, Hey, this is what's important to me. And this is what's important to my spouse and you at least get on the same page of how you're going to go about approaching spending and what you're going to do. So take these things, use them. We love to hear from you too. So if you start implementing something like this into your finances or into your, your lives, you know, write us a note through our website, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and at the same time, what you can do from all of this is go to our Facebook page, like Smarter Vet Podcast, uh, be able to also write us a review. Uh, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate us and review us because it really helps. You'll know, let other people know the value that you're finding from this. And there's a lot of other great resources you can experience. And we mentioned earlier there's a Five Steps to Financial Freedom five part video mini series we've created uh, where it's absolutely complimentary to you. And you can go find it at series.flvetadvisors.com. This is CJ Burnett. And I'm Tom Seco. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Submission number 2023-151968 expires March of 2025.